Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Nick. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in and sticking with us while we had a little bit of a show hiatus here. For our first show ahead of the 2021 season, thought we'd bring in a few guests from Shaking the Southland, Alex, Matt, and John, uh, to preview and really talk about everything that's been going on in the world of college football, the NFL draft, and Clemson football. Plenty to cover. Uh, really great to bring those guys on. And as you'll find out here in this show, we covered a lot of topics. So um, you're in for kind of a long show today, but you know we know uh, we know there's not much going on in the off season, so you've got the time. Um, regarding the podcast, generally, um, we are definitely going to be getting back into the swing of things with recording. Going to get Ben and Cody back here soon, uh, just to talk about all things Clemson. You know, break things down from a few different angles. Also, cooking up a few different other interviews uh, with some exciting guests coming up soon. So, really excited to get back in the swing of things. Thank you again for sticking with us during a quiet off season. Uh, please, you know, do the do what you do. Tell a friend. Um, engage with us on social. We appreciate it, and uh, really hope you guys enjoy this show. Clemson podcast. So pleased to be joined once again by the STS crew. Tonight on the podcast, we have Alex Kraft, John from STS, and Matt, aka DBBM. How's it going, fellas? Okay, whose idea was this? This was dumb. You're, Nick, you're stupid for bringing us on here. This is, yeah, I don't foolishness. know. Yeah, I wouldn't say this was by popular demand, but Alex, you, you pinged us early in the week being like, is this real? Have there been no podcasts since the Ohio State recap game? And you were absolutely right. Um, so this is unfortunately our first podcast since. Um, we took a little bit of a hiatus, but thank you for rallying us, Alex, to get back on the airwaves. Um, so glad to, to, to break the ice here with, the, with with this illustrious group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you know what? You were just Obi-Wan Kenobi, just chilling in the desert, waiting for you know your Luke Skywalker to show up and make you get off your butt. So you're welcome. Which one of these two is R2, D2? Matt. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm very C3PO over here. I don't have the capacity quite enough to be C3PO. Yeah, right. it, Matt, Matt has a pug, so by default, that's like the most R2, D2 type of dog. And I think <laughs> yeah. uh, we all kind of take on the personalities of our dogs or vice versa. And you know what? Sorry, Matt, you're a pug. I thought we would start out, guys, with the NFL draft. It's the, like the more fresh memory in our minds. We definitely want to touch on the spring game and then think a little bit about Clemson football coming into the season. Um, but very exciting moment for Clemson fans. Finally got off the schneid with the first overall pick. Um, and, you know, a great weekend, I guess, for, for Clemson football players going into the league. Um, but, yeah, I thought we'd start there. Um, NFL drafts, you know, last year I think was the first kind of live event that everyone – um, was taking in. I remember the the Bulls documentary was also a pretty big sports moment. Um, but this year was back live in person, and uh, Trevor was not there. I don't know if you guys any had any reactions from uh, seeing Trevor and how all that played out. But um, before we get into that, I just wanted to understand if you guys saw Dabo's get up at all during this draft situation. 
Are you that talking was, about his suit? This is painful. This uh, is just a if, painful memory. If, if, if you're talking about his suit, then I definitely had 2003 <sighs> NBA draft vibes from it because it was oh, the worst. No. It was the worst tailored suit I've seen on a on a got on a person since that time frame. Think they did it on purpose? Dabo kind of just dresses like he's still a walk-on football player. Like he, yeah. he dresses like he peaked in terms of formalness at someone being like, "Well, we got to go get you a suit." Yeah, I was about to say he dresses like he had to get a suit from the uh, the defensive line coach real quick. Exactly. He yeah. didn't own one. I mean, let's get let's get Dabo down to MH Frank. Get him. You know, a tailored, tailored setup, <laughs> not sponsored. Yeah, I, I got to say, that's actually, that, that's actually that's actually a good move. That's that's a good move because I, you know, if I, if it's not 2003 NBA draft vibes I got from him, I mean, he he kind of looked looked like a politician who really was out of his depth. Maybe like a former college football coach turned politician. Um, I don't I don't know if there are any states who who do that kind of thing. Uh, certainly not that John would know about. No. Nope. Um, but it 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 was it was that kind of vibe where it's like, you know, you're out of your depth trying to look fancy and you know, we, we just Dabo, gotta get him yeah, we gotta get him downtown or something to get it get it Taylor. And Dabo's not like, you know, Lincoln Riley or even Georgia Tech's Jeff Collins trying to be like young and hip with his dress code. I mean no, we all know crew neck Dabo. I, I didn't see a lot of pictures of Dabo uh, in this suit. Uh, the only picture I really saw was uh, a picture of him from behind, kind of like looking into a crowd. And then somebody just put next to it a picture of a bunch of kids in a trench coat, like stacked on top of each other. And then I was like, that's enough. I'm just going to close Twitter for yeah. a while. Now they're right, though. The thing with Dabo. Oh, no, they were correct. Like, Nick Saban is 69. He might be 70 at this point. I haven't looked in a while because I just get no, he's tired. he's still 69. Of His birthday's I Halloween. I'm tired of waiting for nice. the devil to die, honestly. But, like, Nick Saban, 69, 70, he still gets fits off. Every single yeah. time he's on TV. Yeah. The man I gotta is 5'5". He, 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 he is teaching short men how to dress, how to behave, how to just exude every every single energy there is. Like my 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 hottest take as a Clemson fan is I think Nick Saban is not a villain. I think he's actually great. Yeah, is Nick Saban the me. ultimate short king? Uh, aside from Matt's aside from Matt's pugs, yes. Okay. Yeah. No, it's Alex. You, you nailed it, and I think it's taken some perspective and time as Clemson fans. Maybe beating them twice helped. That there's a lot worse. There's a lot of other villains out there. Um, and hey, while we're on the topic of Urban Meyer. Um, <laughs> good segue here. They they uh they took ETN and I mean I I think everyone was really happy to see him uh, come off the board as the second running back. Um, Najee Harris went first, right ahead of them to the Steelers. Uh, I don't know if Pittsburgh would have been a better fit for ETN, but where are you guys at on I guess the Jaguars doubling up on the Tigers? I am so glad they didn't manage to hire that Iowa strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> If you're a guy getting like sort of player complaint type shit in college, like I just, I can't imagine that's going to go well for you in the NFL. And um, I don't know. It's interesting with ETN and the running backs. It seems like we've hit a point where running back isn't like a thing. We're not at the point where it seems like running back is a thing you can't do in the first round so much as it's like a luxury pick, if that makes sense. I was stunned. That was absolutely. I was surprised because Jacksonville, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, had a decent tandem of running backs last year. Uh, there's, I think, J.K. Dobbins and 
some other running back who escapes me, but I, you know, had made my peace with Trevor going to probably the worst franchise in terms of location and fan base and marketability and all that, just because, you know, it was a foregone conclusion. Wow. Once, once they beat out the Jets, that he was going to go there. And I was kind of hoping ETN would go to Buffalo since they're the most ready-made or the most complete roster um, as far as who was looking for a running back. You know, you know right. I figured it would either be the Steelers or, or the Bills. Don't do it to me. Um, yeah, John, I know you're a Bills fan, but I, I was kind of hoping he would land there. You know, just plug him into that roster. And then you're looking at, you know, one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. But when Jacksonville picked him, I was kind of like, bite through the straw. I was like, man, it sucks he has to go to Jacksonville. And then I was like, well, at least he's there with Trevor. So I guess we're all Jags fans now. Um, anyone who hadn't already, you know, transferred their uh, kind of secondary, tertiary fanhood from the Texans uh, to Jacksonville uh, in the last few months uh, is now certainly doing so. Never mind it's a division rival, right? <laughs> knock off a pretty good chunk of Panthers fans to Jacksonville just off rip. So, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, I, I try to be a Panthers fan just about every year. Um, every April, I'm like, yes, this is the year I really commit to being a Panthers fan. Then they do things in the draft that just make me go, you idiots. And, you know, they, they work out fine in hindsight. Like last year, I'm like, I really hope they take Isaiah Simmons. really hope they take, they take Simmons. They took Derek Brown. Was it the right choice in hindsight? Probably. Did it make me mad in the moment? Because I wanted to have like a, a reason beyond, you know, just the local team to root for them. Uh, yeah. And this year, what do they do? They go and drafted uh, – they went and drafted two South Carolina players. And I saw this tweet that said something about, like, the University of South Carolina Panthers versus the Clemson University Jaguars. And I'm like, that's it. I'm out. Sorry, Panthers. I'm done. Uh, try to try to hit me up next April when I'm getting excited about the draft. So It's just I'm really done. hard to care about Charlotte-based sports. Oh, if you're looking for the Clemson connect, doesn't John Gruden have some insane thing with Clemson right now? It's like six or seven of Tigers on the roster. Yeah, I oh, think it's yeah. six, yeah. Yeah. Man, we like, sound like I, Tennessee now. We sound like we're like, oh, his wife was a cheerleader here. Oh, he's our guy. Yeah, but we're not expecting him to come back. I just mean like he's just <laughs> – Don't, don't want John Gruden to replace okay. Davo. Thank Hi- you very much. Us, not Hi- by hypothetical coach, coach swap. Let's say Dabo goes to the NFL. He goes to take the Raiders' job. <laughs> what if we take John Gruden in return? What if there's like a swap, like a trade, like uh, Doc Rivers did in the NBA, Matt? I'm speaking your language now. Remember that when he went from uh, what, one team to the other team? Oh, that whoa, wait, 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 wait. Get this. If Dabo goes to the NFL like this year, like soon, um, Clemson head coach Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> John, you need to get off the grid ASAP. <laughs> John, that's an idea. John, you can't be saying those things. You're from Mobile, Alabama. No, I, I'm far you. away. I'm far away. We, we've made it a distance. I'm in safe. I'm out that's of the race. Oh, the yeah, that's zone. right. Um, so, so guys, a lot of a lot of chatter. Not a lot of intrigue on that first pick, Trevor Lawrence. Um, no, but... honestly, the thing that was funny about Trevor Lawrence was like. Once the NFL draft complex could sort of lock in that he was the number one pick, they just completely stopped talking about him. <laughs> like there was a moment of- like eight months ago or like during the season ish where people were like, Oh, I mean, Justin Fields might be the first pick. And then like draft season rolls around and it's like, yeah, Trevor Cook first. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. That, it was, it was, you know, it, it was either really bad gamesmanship or just, 
uh, ESPN or whoever, whomever asking for ratings for no reason at all. But I mean, the drama around pick number three, I admit, I, I was kind of intrigued by that. Um, yeah. I still think the Jets were dumb for taking Zach Wilson over hot take alert, Justin Fields. Um, maybe I'm still scarred from that sugar bowl, but I think Fields was the second best quarterback and the Jets probably should have taken him. Uh, Matt, uh, being a Bears fan, I hope that pleases you. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I, about it. I, yeah, you should. That's dumb. I thought that they were going to take <laughs> Mac Jones. I entirely thought the Bears were going to take Mac Jones. No, you knew the, the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones. Or the Patriots, actually. Bill Belichick didn't even have to trade up. To when the guy, God. when the Jets trade or when the when the Bears traded up, Matt tweeted, "If they pick Mac Jones here, I will be oh, yeah. here." Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, the Packers took Amari, so I've gotten called out on one of those. Mm. Uh, right. So, Matt, you have to be a Packers fan now, right? Especially now that they're tanking uh, with oh, the whole, no, you know, I, losing, I, I, losing. I, they're going to lose Aaron Rodgers, so you know they're about to tank, right? It's going to be a race to the bottom with the Texans. Oh God, no! The thing Guys, what is the funniest is, outcome here with Roger, Aaron Rodgers, like for the, him or for goes, Bears? Roger, he, he for sure is just that, like, and I don't get this. I don't understand this at all. If you're the Green Bay Packers, and John, I appreciate that you put your Packers hat on. Podcasting is visual media. Aaron Rodgers doing something on spite. We all know it's publicly reported that Aaron Rodgers cut his family off and kept it moving. That man's made two hundred million dollars. Mike just retired. Uh, fuck you. I'm and so glad. To host I'm, so, I'm so Mike? glad that Matt brought his Twitter energy to this podcast. This is a <laughs> tremendous relief to me. Yeah, I, I think I think the best outcome for Aaron Rodgers henceforth is he goes to the Jets. That doesn't work out. Then he goes to the Vikings, gets them, <laughs> gets them on the cusp of the Super Bowl, and throws like four interceptions. Uh, a backbreaking all pick. All yeah. while moonlighting with uh, Jeopardy and maybe some Florida State co-eds. I, I think that is good. Do not, do not let him have access to like a cell phone camera. Yeah, yeah. He he's gonna he's gonna fall into a, a pattern of his predecessor and um, end up, and you know, Wrangler sponsorship. Right, committing addicted to Vicodin and and committing some mild sex crimes and 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 uh, my pillow ads. So we don't want that. Just the things we love Brett Favre for. Yes. Oh, wait, we weren't supposed to say his name. Oh, uh, I don't know who that is. I'm talking about Drew Brees. <laughs> oh, Dan Marino. Okay. Who's that? You know, funny story. I had a swim coach in high school whose name was literally Dan Marino. He went to NC State, though. I'm not sure if that's relevant. But I think he was a Dolphins fan. I don't really know. I mean, why. I feel like Dan Marino a... spiritually went to NC State. No, he went to Pitt. We don't talk about Pitt. No, no, but like, like in, in the way that NC State just Biggie didn't school. quite get there, man. Oh yeah, oh, I do I it. Southern Pitt. Yeah, yeah. That's true. think about that's it. True. Who do you guys think will make the playoffs first, the Jags or Georgia? <laughs> Georgia, sorry. I, I think they might win it all this year. I'm really sorry. I, I, I don't know. Myself, I feel but... like the Jags being in the ACC is a real advantage for them. Yeah. God, that is the lowest <laughs> hanging fruit. Are they going to – yeah, is there anything going on? And I don't really care about the answer to this question, but they're expanding the schedule. Are they going to expand the playoffs in the NFL? Don't answer it. I don't care. But that might even open it up more. 
didn't, didn't the NFL already do that? Didn't they just expand? Yeah, they did that this year. year. So I, I could see so them wanting it. They might want to hang on to that extra extra game. Oh, is that the playing game they were talking about? Yeah, I'm clearly a well-informed NFL fan here. Yeah. Yeah, big Seahawks energy up there. Every everyone's really involved. Roll. Really, tie. really passionate. Oh God, no, John. Get, how do we kick him? Actually, you I'm know what? That's that's I'm not as, that's not as that's not as bad as War Eagle. Um, I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I I found I find uh, Alabama fans way more palatable than Auburn. Uh, granted, that's in you know few interactions with Bama fans at various national title games versus. Auburn fans at approximately two Clemson home games. So, uh, I mean, a real quick, uh, a roll tide, you can say, just kind of conversationally. Uh, War Eagle is a little bit too much in your mouth to say all at once. So people say Weagle. Oh, okay. That, wow. Yeah. No. So that's like it's saying a I very choose weird word. That, that's yeah. like, that's like, okay, that's, that's choosing violence. Wow. All right. So good. Next time I go to Alabama, which is hopefully never, uh, I will never say war eagle, weagle. I just don't like weagle. It sounds like a breed of dog that shouldn't exist. I didn't say it was good. No, like that. I'm furious at that. Like that's a bad co- collection of syllables. <laughs> so Welsh Auburn. Terrier Beagle. Welsh Terrier Beagle. That could be that could be like the the school like slogan just like under their sign Auburn a bad collection of syllables. Yeah, honestly, once you put, yeah, oh burn, oh, but, but, but you got to like ha- third. But but Auburn is like half vowels though when you think about it. It's like how is it a bad collection of syllables when it's almost equal? It is equally vowels because it spells Auburn. No retort. French. Right, we're good. Is that is that French? What does that stand? What is that? What's the uh, etymology? What, no, yeah, that word. English. Okay, thank you. Well, if it's the, if it's a foreign language, how would you know? Uh, I typed in Auburn and it. I typed in Auburn and it auto completed Auburn football. Everyone knows Auburn's a basketball school now. They cheat equally in both sports, but only one of it. It only <laughs> works in one sport. I think it literally came from English to describe the color. No, from Old French. Latin. Yeah, old French violin. There we are. Latin, Latin I knew meaning it. white. You heard me ask it's French. Latin meaning white and then into French and then over to good old brown. In oh, English it's because Dumbledore's name. So, yeah, so Elvis, good old, yeah. That explains why they surrender so much, right? Is that the joke that most Americans make about the French, which isn't really fair? And no, about Auburn. No, Auburn was famous. They gave up pretty quickly in World War One. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, no ground game since Mount Don left, right? <laughs> you guys have to see uh, Jackson Carmen go as high as he did. Yeah, honestly, his career just kind of flew by. But I, you know, going to the Bengals, good it's hometown. You're not wrong. It, did fly by. It, it really did fly by. I think we're fortunate that he went as high as he did. I kind of figured he'd go in the third. Um, yeah. Is it great that our left tackle is going to be an NFL guard? No. no. But the fact he went in the second round as a converted tackle who's probably going to play guard is actually a kind of an endorsement on his skill set and development. Um, I feel like granted, he, he was a five-star, so you could say his development you know, could have been better, but 
that this is the highest Clemson offensive lineman drafty and what I, I think I read somewhere it was like the highest in 50 years. So this is Since good. The 70s. Yeah. yeah no, no matter which way you cut it, this wild. is good. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's, it's uh, kind of an indictment to even say that stat aloud, but great for Jackson. That's um, real quick. You want to feel, you want to feel old. When was uh, Jackson Carmen born? <laughs> like oh, what? 2000, 2001, probably. No, no, like give me a ninety-eight. Yeah, give me an exact answer, Matt. Two thousand. Oh yeah, two thousand and two thousand. He was January twenty-second, two thousand, and now he's in the NFL. Wow. Let's see. I was in. Like, what grade was I in? I was in uh, January two thousand. I was in third grade when he was born. I was wow. in kindergarten. Yes. Wow. And All Nick right. I was out of college. Ooh. I was. In, I was. I was at Clemson. Woody Dantzler was our starting quarterback. <laughs> Okay. It was excellent. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I mean, the thing yeah. with Carmen or like any Clemson offensive lineman, and I'm generally for this, but Coach Caldwell's approach to offensive linemen, and he's very consistent about this for at least five years, which makes me think it's just the whole thing. Like he cross trains his players, he recruits his players to be able to cross train them, which means that you're going to have bulkier centers. You're going to have bigger, bulkier, sort of more right tackle to guard type tackles. And we've generally pep, like papered that over by putting a very talented guy at left tackle, and he's the left tackle. You know, the Mitch Hyatt position, the Jackson Carmen position, the whatever. But I do wonder to what extent, like, us producing – you know, sort of guardish tackles, sort of right tackleish tackles, or you know, just players in that mold who don't necessarily translate in the best way to the NFL is intentional. Because I don't think they're necessarily asked to do the stuff that turns into like being an NFL pass blocker. Although is that is that evolving, Matt? Like as offenses in the pros like change a little bit. For sure, but I think that they're changing towards being lighter and smaller while we're retaining just like you know we want our tackles to be able to run block like guards basically right okay well the obvious follow-up to that is what the hell happened to the 2020 offensive line in regards to run blocking oh god did i just open up that can of worms matt go for it take it out I have absolutely no idea. And the thing that baffles me, because I like went back to watch the Ohio State game because I don't like myself, I guess. But, oh, like, well, no, no, no. You, you like the Bears. You like the Bears. They drafted Justin Fields. I understand. I, do, I think I, you're. I was, I was watching us on uh, a lot of fronts. The thing that hurt is just like, or what I don't understand, Ohio State was able to shut that game down because they could guard five on five in the box which means that even if Clemson did not block a guy to read them, which means it's six on five, they were not able to run the ball. And it wasn't just like that they couldn't block guys on inside zone. They couldn't run fucking counter right. That's her second or maybe, maybe generously third most popular play, but that's one of our most common plays. And we literally just could not get hat on the hat in the box. And like, I don't understand that. That's not just physical talent. Uh, you could say it's a lack of physical talent, perhaps. But, yeah, you know, counter is probably what I would say is our best run play. I'm more of a proponent of an outside zone staple versus Clemson's inside zone. I really wish we would transition to outside zone. But for whatever reason, 
Our staple was inside. Never mind we had Travis Etienne, probably the best perimeter runner in Clemson history. Like, great inside the tackles, but still the best, most lethal perimeter threat we've ever had out of the backfield. And that's including C.J. Spiller. And now with Lin J. Dixon, who's probably going to start, certainly over the first half of the year when, you know, he gets the benefit of the doubt as the senior, who he, he you know, he excels when he's on the perimeter as well. Because, you know, he's not very fast. But he's not very powerful. He has a great jump cut when he's outside the tackles, when he's in the perimeter and, you know, can just make one jump cut and make people miss. He's more of an outside zone kind of runner too. And watching Ohio State just obliterate us with outside zone for essentially two consecutive years, while we just stick smash our heads against the wall with inside zone kind of makes me second guess our entire offensive philosophy. I, I know that's really, you know, not the correct uh, conclusion to reach because inside zone has its benefits and it's, you know, our, it's been our staple for, you know, the entire Elliott regime era. In fact, probably even the Chad Morris era pre predating that, but man, that was I, successful just, due to, like what Gallman and Etienne did after contact, right? Like, right, and, almost... and it was most of their success came from running into a pile when it was an inside zone call, bouncing outside. And I'm like, why don't we just cut out the middleman and run outside zone? Or is our offensive line incapable of, you know, moving that direction? Matt, you're the offensive line expert, not me. But my, my, my entire philosophy on offense is, is – you know, not nearly as developed as, as a defensive philosophy. I'm more of a defensive kind of mind. But, God, whenever I think about Ohio State, I think, God, they have outside zone. I'm so jealous. We just run inside and then counter off of it to try and mix it up. And it counter works. And it's like, all right, like, it's because it gets people outside. You know, get, get ETN and Dixon outside. Why don't we do that more? But, anyway, yeah, go, <laughs> go back to your points about, about counter and why it was just failing in Ohio State, Matt. You're the like, offensive line expert. It, it, like, literally, I don't get it. Guys would pull through like and not find anybody. Encounter is a play with two pulling linemen. If you can't like figure out where you're supposed to go on a play in which the entire front side is not blocked because you're pulling people around, like I don't know what you're supposed to do. And like obviously, inside zone didn't work. Like it straight up, Ohio State was able to demolish your average running play despite the fact that we had two guards and a center on two defensive tackles like you cannot and I understand it's hard or it's a little easier in football because you have 11 players but you can't win trading three for two long term you especially can't win trading three for two and losing and like the entirety of the offense fell around fell apart around that it almost makes me think that all of Clemson's offensive success in 2020 had something to do with having probably the best quarterback prospect in recent memory to make up for all of the talent and maybe even strategic shortcomings of the entire unit. <gasps> Shit. Did it take no, just, no, did it take just, just, Oh God, it takes going to kill me. Oh God. I got it. I got it. Wait, that would that would mean that when the that quarterback went down, that his backup, who is obviously not like a generational talent, would struggle. Like he wouldn't do the same exact thing. Our offense wouldn't get any yards. Hmm. Yeah, without Trevor. Yeah. Well, may, maybe maybe said defenses had 
next to zero film on said backup and didn't know what to expect <laughs> or what he was capable of. You know what I just thought about? I also let, let, know that defense is prepared for something that wasn't going to happen in that Clemson did a pretty good job of keeping it covered up that DJ was like banged up that game. His shoulder yeah. was hurt. Yeah, because he he got he hurt his shoulder in that Miami game when when uh I think they put him in for one or two plays just to they put Trevor out at wide receiver in that Miami game, let DJ run like up the middle once on like a quarterback power, let him sling it downfield once, and on that quarterback power run he he uh, lowered his shoulder and it happened to be his throwing shoulder. That's where he bruised it. That's where he was injured. And yeah, that completely minimized his run threat when he was the starter for those two games. Not that Clemson would have been wise to run him anyway because he's not really that fast. And obviously, a major theme for 2021, uh, there was almost zero depth behind him. Um, we'll probably address this in the spring game uh, when yeah. we talk about the spring game. But, you know, the, the quarterback depth behind DJ before Tyson Pugmachar went down was pretty uninspiring. Now yeah. it's even worse. So... Yeah, I, I, I struggle with major takeaways from DJ's two games last year. Um, granted, I, I think, you know, the ceiling is very high because he's got such a huge arm. His deep ball can be spectacular just because he can throw it 80 yards. That's not an exaggeration that he can throw it 80 yards. You know, it, usually, you know, 65 is pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it, NFL I, level, he can throw right. it 80, actual 80 yards. I think there's some takeaways though, Alex, like he lived up, he stood into the moment, you know, fought hard against the Notre Dame team. Um, he wasn't playing defense in that game. And right. I think additionally, maybe if you want to talk about development areas, um, throws to the opposite side of the field, were just not there. And we're so mm -hmm. spoiled having Trevor Lawrence to compare him to, um, yep. you know, so that's an area schematically, are you going to see them starting to call, like really use the whole field or, do they need to roll him in that direction to be able to, to hit oh, that side? But to get into something that Alex said earlier, I feel like there's almost a division of labor in the Clemson offense where, and I can understand the theory, but this feels very much like something that offense was doing like eight years ago, where you try to run the ball in the middle and you do that because your passing game spreads it out and that's fine and all. But if you're, like it becomes one dimensional. If you work the outside of the field by throwing bubble screens or by throwing deep, sort of if your throwing game is how you attack outside of the tackles and your running game is how you attack within the tackles. And that is how Clemson really goes about getting after teams. You start to be able to predict and just sort of, it is still forcing you to cover the entirety of the field, but it is more predictable than if he can mix in an outside run or a throw to, you know, say a post or a drag route. Ooh, Matt, you are going to piss off the entire STS comment section by saying we don't throw across the middle of the field or get ETN in space enough. You be careful. We don't do well at throwing across the middle of the field. When we no, we don't. We've had two generational quarterback prospects in the last five, six years, and our entire offense is, is, is and, and not to mention the best running back in ACC history, our offense is run up the middle, throw it outside, forget everything else. What's the last good, good like, receiving tight end we had? Jordan Leggett? Yeah, maybe? Jordan Leggett. Jordan Leggett, yeah. yeah. Before that, it was 
uh, I'd say Dwayne Michael Palmer, Allen. Dwayne Allen, Dwayne Allen. Yeah, definitely yeah. him. Dwayne Allen for sure. And I, I don't really Ugh. buy the hype around Galloway. Sorry, I, I just don't. Um, I'd rather see Davis Allen on the field than him, and he's more of a blocker than a receiver, at least compared to Galloway. So that makes me think. But know, I think to your point, Alex, is he is he there for more pass protection blocking, or because if we're not running outside zone, like almost like what's the utility? I guess yeah, downfield. Uh, kick, kick out blocks when we run counter or power, maybe. <laughs> Uh, maybe arc blocks if it's an arc, if it's an inside zone with some sort of a- action from the H back in the backfield. Uh, Getting the, in the flat, base, honestly, like we, we don't really run many seams. In fact, the only seam routes I can recall are actually with Davis Allen, where it's almost like they don't expect the the stereotypical, whether it's accurate or not, stereotypical uh, blocking tight end to go out deep. Like I think I think Davis Allen is the only one who was catching passes downfield this year. Um, Galloway was usually derping around along the sideline. If you have a tight end, teams forget about those guys do become an incredibly different weapon in the red zone. Kind of like that Sugar Bowl where Ohio State had like their tight ends had like four receptions on the year and caught like three touchdowns against us. (laughs) Sound familiar? You can keep that on ice in a way that Clemson is very fond of keeping their best plays on ice against regular Mm. opponents. Yeah. Urban legend says that. I don't know. I've, I've, I've written enough about that over the past few years where I've said, like, oh, yeah, we're totally saving plays. And then we get, you know, in the moment, it's like, okay, where do all the saved plays go? Though I will say, you know, Tony Elliott wasn't calling plays against Ohio State. He wasn't playing safety against Ohio State. Uh, he wasn't playing cornerback against Ohio State. So it's really <laughs> tough for me to blame the offense uh, for what happened in that game. Um <laughs> It's yeah. that game has more to do with God. We're really all over the map already, aren't we? That game has more to do. Yeah, with... NFL draft talk, boys. <laughs> yeah, that game has more to do with just the lack of safety recruiting for half a decade. Um, but anyway, that's don't get me started there. Back to the draft, Nick. Come on, keep us on track. <laughs> I don't and know how to pull this draft. back to the draft. I do not know oh, how to yeah. pull this back to the draft. Draft. Uh, so Trevor, Travis, Jackson, Carmen, Amari, Cornell. Here we go. Here we go. All those um, people played in the Clemson Ohio State game. They should, they All right, we're back. Know. Let's stay on it while we're on it. Like, obviously, I think this team, this year's ceiling, we don't know where we're going to get out of the O line. And I, I do want to ask you guys what you know personnel wise about the guys that are the most likely starters. And like, we'll touch on this, I guess, when we talk spring game. But do we really think that the physicality is going to change at all with the 2021 O line relative to last year? Because um, when I think of the ceiling, and I think, Alex, you wrote about this in your spring game preview, uh, the running back position has the ability to set the ceiling for this team's offense. If you get, you know, mediocre to slightly above average Lynn J. Dixon and Kobe Pace output for this year, that's okay. We're probably not winning a natty. But if if they can really find that next level with the run game, they could. I guess, like, I look to personnel on the O-line to be like, do we think that's possible with that with the group that we've got coming in? Um, a lot of guys mm. be first-year starters at their respective positions. I think you only have, like, Bachhorst and Putnam who are going to be repeating their role at their position. So it's, like, three guys new in their respective spot. Um, I mean, do we do we have a sense of physicality level at least being, you know, a little bit more what we're looking for? Yeah, so so you're saying if just two starters are returning at the same position, you're, you're presuming that Jordan McFadden is moving from right tackle to left tackle? 
That's right. And the reason I say yeah. that is because Walker Parks started at right tackle on the white team in the spring yeah. game. Like he easily could have started over at left tackle. Like they weren't on the same team. So I, I that's agree. My, like, I, I, that's my guess. I, I agree with that. I, I kind of figured that, you know, they would split those two and then they would each start at left. But with Parks being on the right, that kind of told me a little bit like what you were saying. I right. think it is more likely that McFadden moves to the left. And, you know, with an extra year of seasoning for, what, the three new starters, plus, let's say, what is it, Hunter Rayburn at center, who everyone says the light has come on. Let's say he's an upgrade over Cade Stewart, which, frankly, shouldn't be that tall of a task. Sorry, but it really shouldn't be. Is that a pun about standpoint. snapping it over the head of Trevor? Is that like a pun? Too no. Tall a task? Uh, well, I, I, maybe I was making more. It is now. Well, it is now. I, w- I was thinking more of the, the physical ceiling, but yes, either one works appropriately or, or inappropriately, depending on your perspective. Um, yeah, I, I think the offensive line should be better. I don't want to say I've bought into a lot of the coach speak or reports where everyone's saying, oh, we knew we were bad last year. We knew we have, we know we have to improve, but they really should. You know, last offseason was very different. Uh, the offensive line definitely was uh, inhibited in their development by having to go remote and work out on their own aside from, you know, zoom workouts where it's like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do while you work out from home. Um, you know, now that we've figured out how to live in the, I don't want to say post pandemic world, cause we aren't there yet, but in the pandemic world where it's like, okay, we can kind of do most things as long as we, you know, take the you know precautions that we all are aware of by now. Uh, point being, you know, the off-season workouts should be able to take place at the football facility versus everyone having to go remote. You know, you, you take that into account, and that kind of explains a little bit of the a little bit of the lack of development in the 2020 offensive line, and points to optimism towards 2021. Plus, a general higher ceiling as far as I don't want to say recruiting way, rankings, but um, just generally, the 2020 it be a, class a better is unit. solid. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It, sh- it should be a better unit. I'm, I'm, I think the biggest question mark is a uh, center, but reports from coaches and, and offensive linemen, you know, around the center position alike are more positive around Hunter Rayburn. Um, you know, assuming the transition from Fadden at left tackle from right to left goes well, Park steps in at right pretty well. Putnam improves. Bockhorst is what a fifth year senior. He should be fine. I'm fine with how that starting unit should progress. It should be an upgrade. They should be improved over 2020. I think that'll kind of be, you know, a bit of a wash as far as who's in the backfield, uh, particularly at running back. Um, I, you know, your, your comment about running back, you know, sort of setting the ceiling for this Clemson offense as far as national title contenders. I've never been that high on Dixon. I, don't think he's that fast. I don't think he's a good inside runner. He's a jump cut runner when he gets outside, which is that's where he excels when he gets to the perimeter, makes one jump cut and cuts up field and, you know, at least squares his shoulder pads. Um, I don't want to say I'm hoping that he gets beaten out, but I think he will. Uh, and it'll probably take a month into the season, you know, looking at 2014 with what, what I think it was DJ Howard who started the year at running back before, uh, Adam Choice or Wayne Gallman took over as the year progressed or, you know, more recently quarterback when it took four games for Trevor to take over for Kelly Bryant. I think it'll be a similar thing at running back. 
and if Kobe Pace or Will Shipley or Phil Maffa becomes yeah. the guy, that is where the high ceiling. Uh, your, your comment about the high ceiling setting the, the stage for national title chances will kind of come into play. Um, I was yeah, I was thinking Alex almost like 2017 where you had Feaster. Um, like ETN was an afterthought. Like not even mm. no one no one even knew about ETN, and it was like CJ Fuller and Adam Choice were going to be the de facto player right. that was going to like top the depth chart, and then everyone was excited about Feaster based on his uh, recruiting ranking, and then here here came ETN out of that. Like if we if we had that scenario play out in some capacity, I think I think I'd be happy. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'd forgotten about the 2017 running back situation. You know, I, I think if I recall, I was most excited for Feaster at that time because I thought, oh, he's oh yeah, everybody was. Back. Yeah, yeah. He, he was they gave him 28. I mean, come on. Yeah, right. That's right. the truth. They gave, they gave him 28. He was a four borderline five star from in-state. He was the one who, you know, I thought would kind of take over. Never really separated. And, you know, by midseason, it was obvious that Travis was the best weapon on the entire offense. Uh, which, which you know, is kind of an indictment on the passing game, come to think of it. But, I mean, that that was just, you know, the era or what Clemson had to work with in 2017. Um, yep, yep. So that's a great point. And I, I, I know I, for one, was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised, but still surprised when the first, like, post-spring depth chart Clemson released in the spring of 2018 had Travis as the starter. I was like, whoa. They're actually going to like put the best guy on the field instead of the scene, the guy with the most seniority and over Adam Choice, over Tavian Feaster. Okay, great. This is actually a positive development. And, you know, I, I just don't see that happening this year at running back. I think, I think Dixon is your, is your Adam Choice or DJ Howard who's just going to get the benefit of the doubt until the younger guys pass him. And I'm afraid that'll cost us the season opener. <laughs> Hate to say it, but I I like Georgia over Clemson right now by seven to ten points, uh, and I, I don't think running back will have that much to do with you know whatever the eventual betting line will be. But takeaway is if take reds, it will definitely determine the eventual point margin and the outcome of the game. So I don't I don't know I don't want to get bogged down in projections for yeah. five months. I mean out, you're just but, thinking high level. It will be a little bit of a one-dimensional offense that DJ yeah. has experience to. Yeah, it, it, we, we we are. If you look at you know, especially at how well DJ did last year versus how bad the run run blocking was a year ago, it definitely looks like this will be a one-dimensional offense where Clemson just has to air it out to have any chance of winning a like a game against a comparably talented team. And I'm hoping that's not the case. That the O line improves and you know Dixon is going to make me eat some crow but i think by october you're going to see a different starter at running back and clemson may already have a loss by then so yeah it might not cost us the playoff either um it shouldn't but yeah it shouldn't but the schedule is so weak outside of georgia i mean let's say you get a one loss or maybe if we dream undefeated north carolina in the acc title game then sure yeah clemson still gets in with a win and the only loss being Georgia. Um, but, I mean, the schedule was so, so, so bad after that Georgia game. It's like there is zero margin for error if, if you know, you get blown out by Georgia, which I don't think is outside the realm of possibility. I'm, I'm not quite as high on Clemson as I typically would be this year. I hate to say it. I'm a Georgia on fan, Alex Kraft. Yeah, I- yeah, yeah. 
I have a hard time getting up for Georgia right now, honestly. <laughs> Where are you from, Matt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair. But, like, I just – I'm going to bet against Georgia figuring out a way outside of the SEC until Kirby beats Nick straight up. I got to say, that is my favorite ongoing just, like, mudslinging joke yeah, he can't in do college it. football. But it's, it, but it's real. None of his yeah. assistants can. For like, both Georgia and Kirby, I, I love that it applies to them equally. <laughs> they, they deserve each other in that regard. They really do. Kirby's they were destined for each other. If the they are lose to begin the season, we're going to be up against the eight ball the entire time to make the playoffs. There is no losing. Oh yeah, the shine has come off Clemson and Dabo at this point nationally to, to the point where you're right, Matt. I think it's going to be just, and they, they're going to trash the schedule the rest of the way. I mean, it, it's it's true. It's it's really bad. It's worse than ever. I would say this yeah, this year's schedule is worse than any other point since Clemson's been relevant, where people trash the schedule. This year, it's even worse. The fact that, I don't want to say I had, called it, but I'm pretty sure I wrote about this upcoming season schedule like two years ago. Yeah, let me and, Google. And since, and since that was then, when UConn was still in the FBS too. Exactly, and and since then, <laughs> since then, Clemson realized, holy crap, 2021 is really bad. We have to add a splash game to even have a chance of making the playoff if we have a, a loss somewhere along the way. And it, it, they knew it was so bad that they gave up their, their sacred seventh home game. Because, you know, Clemson wants a seventh home game. That is why they are against the nine-game conference schedule, so that they can keep yeah. a seventh home game for the local economy and so on and so forth. They knew that it was so bad, the schedule this year was so bad, that they needed to give up a seventh home game and have a big non-conference marquee neutral site game against anyone, anywhere they possibly could. Luckily, it's in Charlotte against an old rival, so that's that's great. But it was so bad that they knew they had to give up that sev- that sacred seventh home game. I'm not being hyperbolic. There. Dateline, November is, 7th, 2019. John McElhaney <laughs> says that 2021 is. might be rock bottom of Clemson's schedule. At the time, we had still scheduled Wyoming. Ooh, um, wait, they're still on the schedule, aren't they? No. We dropped one of these games. Oh, yeah, we no. dropped, we dropped oh, we Wyoming to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. it was going to be SC State, Wyoming, UConn, and in South Carolina. Yeah, I, I thought we dropped UConn, but we dropped Wyoming for Georgia. Took the Wyoming home. UConn, yeah. Can we drop UConn no, and we, pick up Coastal? And I remember this column because be I got roasted game. for it because right. people said we don't schedule like we schedule plenty hard, and I was like, no, we don't. Look no, we don't schedule. No, no, and, no Clemson um, fan who looks himself in the mirror can say with with any seriousness that we play a tough schedule. Like, sure, we'll we try. Yeah, the comments, of, sir. I'm still mad about it. What's hard is yeah, What's hard is when you have the ACC like, and South Carolina. Like, yes, that's a great point. Like we, our we hands are tied for eight for seven of the games, right? Right. We do the best we can. We, we try to have, like, a, a marquee game other than South Carolina at a conference. Like, if they were decent, it would not be as bad. But, like, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's Notre Dame. Sometimes it's, what, Auburn, Texas A&M, Georgia this year, LSU in 10 years or whatever. Like, yeah, we try. But the, the 2021 was so bad because Wyoming. I'll just have the, the record of- show that I was correct. You were correct. You were because like Wyoming was taking the place of the other non-South Carolina marquee non-conference game, and it was just like I'm glad. SC State's all that. Yeah, SC State is right after Georgia, so 
Well, yeah, yeah no, is... D-Rad, of course, is one of my most faithful readers. Uh, yeah, yeah, mine too. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to say, I'm glad they, they like, realize, holy crap, the schedule's so bad. We got to, like, do something to, you know, make it a little better. Even if we lose to Georgia, at least we played someone decent. And we have the chance over the next 12 games to make up for it. But as a season ticket holder, this is pro- – I know I've said this before, especially over the last three or four years. Um, but this home schedule is probably the worst one I've ever seen. I think I said that last year. Yeah, I was about to say, but, it's been like, uh, it, I think the like last really, really that. good home game was 2017 Auburn. Yeah, yeah, because 20, let's see, 2018 we had. 2018 we had, had nothing. 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 We had, I remember. We had Syracuse, right? 19 A&M yeah. was also no, no. bad. Yeah. 2019 A&M was, was rough. Yeah, 2019 all we had was A&M, FSU, who was yeah. no good. A&M was good, but it was 97 degrees and it sucked. Uh, twenty. They didn't show up. They kicked a field goal. Yeah. Covered the yeah. Touchdown it, that, that was a really that was a really boring like marquee game. Come to think of right. it, twenty sixteen kicked ass. Twenty seventeen had Auburn, and then we've had mm-hmm. nothing good yeah. at home since. That 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 sounds about right to me. Twenty sixteen was was the peak. Aside from that pit game, we don't talk about shit. I mean, oh, that game sorry. was still good. Sorry, I was there. It was still fun until okay, like that last second, and then you realized it was John, wait what they won. John, you're a Bills fan. Their quarterback went to the Bills after that. I, Nathan Peterman. I can take pain. And then he threw you know, five interceptions and a half. Yeah, meanwhile, he threw he went five touchdowns, no picks against us in that game. Then he goes to the Bills and just does the inverse just to I take I you. take pride in how much pain I can take as a fan. So you're just adding to my case here. Well, the thing that was funny I is sat through I every second of twenty thirteen FSU. I genuinely wow. think that the Bills drafted him there. passing performance against Clemson, and all the passes he completed were shuffle passes off a run play. That oh, was yeah. They drafted him off the box him. score. It was a box they score. Had, it was a box score draft. It was 100% shuffle passes, passes and then um, Brent Venables has never allowed a shovel pass since. No. That, that's accurate, but I, I got to say they had wide open wheel routes all day too. I think I remember that. I blacked out on or blocked out, blacked out. Sorry, you probably blocked, blacked out, out too. most of it. No, I, I didn't black out, but I have blocked out <laughs> most of that game. And uh, yeah, there were a couple of wheel routes that were wide open, tight ends, running backs. It was just well. The secret you know, with wheel routes is as long as linebackers are expected to cover running backs and tight ends, which unless you want to really, really change what your run defense looks like and start recruiting safeties to play linebacker. The thing that shuts down wheel routes is pass rush because they're going to get open. That's a mismatch every single time. Right. But if the quarterback sacks or has to throw it, it away before matter. They... Exactly. Yeah. Back to NFL draft talk. Yeah, Nick, where are we going? Tell us where to go. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're still kind of in the halo of talking about the Ohio State game and I, let's no! I, I want to. <laughs> Why are we over... still in that halo? This halo needs to die. Well, Halo makes Clem- me think of heaven, and this is hell. I do want to talk about the defense a little bit, Clemson defense. We're, we're off the NFL. Unless you guys have any funny takes about the quarterbacks in the first round, which we I would happily dig into. Um, I do want to talk about Venables and the Clemson defense last year. I think in the Ohio State game, guys, honestly, and even in the Virginia Tech game, personnel had a lot to do with what we saw both of those teams doing with you know the, the – Yes, they had like delayed play calls coming in, or Ohio State, on the other hand, kind of called their their plays quickly. Um, but 
I think if you had, I, I think a lot of that boils down to communication on the field and not having seasoned starters in there. And they're kind of being a little bit of a talent deficit as well. And that makes me think like that, okay, if Clemson, you know, can stay healthy and keep its guys on the field this year, we may not see some of those issues arise this year. Um, I guess I wanted to get your take on, you know, do you think opposing OCs and opposing coaches have like cracked the Brent Venables code with, um, you know, how, how he does spot plays on the field and takes, takes time to get the play calls in. Like, do you feel like that's a lasting issue that we saw exposed last year or, do you think there's something more to the fact that we did have, you know, the Notre Dame, the first Notre Dame game and in the Virginia tech game, et cetera. Like we were, we were scra- scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit with some of the personnel on the field by that point. I think the the talent deficit's a big thing. Cause like, you just don't have the ability to react with the players that just kind of know what to do. Um, and then also like you have the preventables factor that I was just talking about where he's just not going to allow this to burn him ever again until the end of the universe this he will never be caught out in this kind of like uh we didn't get the play call in quick enough because it probably just infuriated him yeah he got out coached in a playoff game straight up in a way that like i mean they said that it was they didn't want to get like they being ohio state said they didn't want their signals to be stolen whatever i don't really give a shit about that stealing signals is part of the whole whatever i'm not really interested in any controversy on that but like he objectively was out coached in trying to set up the perfect defense well ohio state was fine and running a play yeah and I have to give him the level of credit with the option got Venables once, did not happen again. Like he has proven himself able to adjust before, but that is something that I'm going to be very curious about going forward. Yeah, for me, it comes down to talent level, and it's almost entirely in the secondary. Uh, yeah, we were whipped up front by Ohio State uh, by their offensive line, you know, with our defensive line. I think part of that, this is going to sound like a major, major, major bit of cope, but Tyler Davis is a sophomore. Ryan Brissy was a freshman. Miles Murphy's a freshman. The other defensive end was kind of a rotating door between Xavier Thomas, who wasn't you know fully healthy, KJ Henry, who hasn't exactly lived up to his five-star billing, Justin Maskell, who has never really – kind of justified any little I mean, bit that's exactly what i'm saying it's just like, like there's plenty of talent there it's just they don't know what they're doing yet right and you know with three of those four positions on the d-line they're just kind of young you know tyler davis was the most experienced like best guy on the defensive line and he was a <laughs> sophomore who was playing injured playing at maybe you know 70 80 percent of his you know normal work rate because he was just hurt all year we lost skalski and then that ex- that just exposed everything behind them which is where the talent deficit is glaring. You know, at corner, Andrew Booth is the only guy who I think really has a future to make it to the NFL. Uh, Darian Kendrick yeah, was the guy who saw that I thought on- was interesting was uh, Bill Connolly in his returning production statistics said that um, passes defense is the most difficult thing or one of the things you can rely on in terms of like year over year and being hard to replace. So I wonder what it's going to look like for the defense replacing Kendrick, who led the team in passing defense by quite a bit. 
Well, Kendrick was part of the problem, in my opinion. I, I never understood why he was mocked in the first and second round about 12 months ago, you know, going into his junior yeah. year. F- flashback to spring of 2020, summer of 2020, you saw Deer and Kendrick and all these mid to late first round draft projections. I feel like that happens a lot. With I'm like, what are they DBs, looking though? at? That happens so a lot with comes to DBs. Well, it's happening to Andrew Booth now, but I think Andrew Booth. It happened to McKenzie Alexander. It happened to it happened to Van Smith, Mullen, Mullen. It happened to um, DeAndre McDaniel was like a first round. Yeah, once they got DeAndre McDaniel's forty time, that just his. (laughs) No, but like that's my point is that like I feel like that there's the year before the senior year for a lot of Clemson DBs. It's just like oh, they're gonna be a first rounder. It's like Christian Ponder felt that though. Yeah, no, greatest gift of all time. Never be topped. Shout out to Coach McDaniel. Um, I don't know, but, you know, that Ohio State game in particular, for me, it has more to do with the talent deficit than Venables getting his calls in late. Like, yeah, there was that first touchdown run by Trey Sermon where, you know, the call was late. And Venables, you know, he knew that was on him. Ohio State knew they were going to be able to take advantage of that. But everything else was just, you know, our safeties being non-existent, our corners just being overworked by those two dominant receivers they had, Olave and Wilson. Uh, I blame the safeties more than the corners in that regard. You know, on two of those touchdowns that Kendrick gave up, at least he was nearby. (laughs) Uh, Whereas, you know, the safeties were just nowhere to be found and all that. And that's, guess what? Still my biggest uh, concern moving into 2021. And play calling wrinkles out of character from Ohio State with their tight ends which you guys mentioned earlier. earlier yeah, absolutely. They didn't show much from the tight ends at all. And then they just said, you know, we're going to throw to them in the Sugar Bowl. You know, Clemson doesn't have safety, so we can use them. I mean, Ohio State kind of did the ultimate Clemson move. Like, they kept their cards close to the vest in, like, the three, four games they played during the season and let it all unfold in that game. Um, it all worked out for them by the Big Ten, letting them get into the playoff. But Yep. To be fair, they only had, like, what, six games? six games of film, which, you know, barely half a season. Da- Dabo got a ton of crap for voting them 11th, which I thought was kind of cheeky of him, to be honest. But it's like, I get it if you're going to stick to that principle. <laughs> Dabo's, um, Dabo's coaching assistant that put them 11th. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, hang on. I, I think he said he voted them. I think he said he voted them 11th. He told Anna that he, he, he always fills in his stuff. Yeah. Pretty uh, sure. Hmm. Always. Yeah, because some, someone asked him about that, why he voted them 11. He's like, well, they've only played five, six games, so I'm not going to reward them for only playing – or not going to penalize a team who's played more. I, I think he – I don't know if he actually votes in that poll, but I think in regards to Ohio State, he definitely had an answer for why he voted them specifically 11th. I do like the idea that every single week, Dabo, Mr. I-don't-want-to-deal-with-this-crap, spends an hour meticulously ranking each team. For the integrity, John, it's because of the, <laughs> the responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. not not just copying the people, like like researching each team, watching highlights from their game, and it's just like for no reason. It's like sure, no, he passes it off to some dude. He waits for the advanced stats to come out too. For sure, <laughs> yeah, he just copies Bill C's numbers. Right? No, no, John, he re- he reads he reads Matt and me. That's who he reads. <laughs> he has to wait till Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, he waits till we post film review, and then he says, "Wow, 
Dang, we really messed up on cover two there, y'all. I really need to put BC 24th. Okay, can we talk about BC? I think they're actually going to be pretty sneaky good this year. Sorry, is that is that? I didn't mean to open that can of worms. Oh, no, sorry. Well, no, no, no. Uh, finish your thought, Alex. Enlighten us. Why BC? I, do they I, have I the same quarterback? Is he eligible one more year? They do. They do. And, yeah. in fact, speaking of mock drafts, he's, he's pegged as like a mid-first rounder. And I kind of think they're going to be second in the division, in the Atlantic Does division. Does he have two year. first names by chance? Bill Jerkovich. No, no that's, oh. that's two last names. Wait. No, yeah, I was really, is that, is really that, hoping no, he was Ryan Matt. You, <laughs> wait, you said Phil? That's his first name? Yeah, Phil Jerkovich. Okay, okay, that's a first name. And he, yeah, he's got a first and a last name. He's a normal guy. Okay, he, he yeah. passes the test. Yeah, not uh, a Georgia quarterback. Yeah. Not a Georgia quarterback. No, how how Georgia is this quarterback? I just totally conflated two different memes from the full cast at night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think they're the second best team in the Atlantic, and we're kind of lucky we get them at home for the third year in a row. Uh, well, when I say lucky, I mean fortunate, That's weird. I guess. Yeah. So they yeah, flipped. Cause... They flipped the. Interesting. I didn't realize this last year that they like we would have had BC in chestnut hill i'm, I'm surprised they yeah yeah La- last year 20, 2020 was the year that in a normal year we would have gone to to boston for that game i right. think this year they've kind of just treated it like 2020 didn't happen and kind of gone back to what would have been the normal cadence uh and in that respect they are headed here for the third year in a row <laughs> um, would treat 2020 are... like it didn't happen no i mean the thing with boston college i've never understood is just they're in a part of the country where you can put together a good front seven. They're in a part of the country where you can get good tight ends, good quarterbacks, good offensive line play. Like so much of their roster every single year. And this isn't a unique position to be in. They're just very naked about it. It's going to come down to, can they get a skill position group? And it's going to be a group of players. It's not going to be all that much depth that can be special while they get this sort of like depth and program built offensive line in front seven that handles things. And then if they can get the wide receivers, if they can get a running back, a quarterback or a back four going in the secondary, they can be pretty dangerous. Yeah. And Halfley was the architect of the OSU's defense in 2019. Um, Obviously he's working with five-star talent. Yeah. Which is also that Halfley knows how to coach secondaries. Hmm. Exactly. So, so Matt, you're saying they have a lot of guys and they're just looking for a handful of dudes? Yeah, basically. Huh. Guys being dudes, guys stepping up, all that thing. All right. So we, we have covered the draft. Uh, I think we inadvertently recapped the Sugar Bowl. Can we just never yeah. play in New Orleans again? Can we just, yeah, that's like, enough Sugar Bowl. We, we, we've talked yeah. enough about the Sugar Bowl. I Gave a good Sugar. recap of the 2016 Clemson Pitt game. No, yeah, right. that, that was enough of that, too. I don't want to slander uh, any more current Clemson players inadvertently by talking about the Sugar Bowl or the secondary at large. So, yes, let's move on. To, yeah, here we I'm go. done yeah. with all Sugar Bowls. Like, Clemson, let's just pass on New Orleans from now on. I feel like yeah. it has pain. Um, well, the one area we haven't yet addressed, guys, was the spring game. Um, was not not exactly the normal spring game where – uh, you had a full complement of players. We were looking for uh, kind of depth chart battles to play out. I think there was just a lot of injuries and other factors leading to guys not playing in that game. So 
uh, from an analysis and insight standpoint, was a little bit limited. Um, Alex, you wrote a, a solid preview article at STS with four primary areas that you were going to be looking for. I think some of these didn't pan out, didn't play out, particularly looking at safety and cornerback. I think it still would be interesting to touch on, you know, what you what you expect to, to play out at both of those position groups. Um, and we have touched a little bit on what's going on with the offensive line and running back. So why don't we just stick with the secondary here? Um, at the safety position, Nolan Turner and Landon Zanders were both out of the game. Um, Clemson did bring in a couple of uh, recruits in the 2021 class here um, that I, that you referenced in your article that I think fans are going to start to uh, see, see get some action this fall. Um, Joseph Charleston, though, he, he had a lot of, a lot of snaps last season. And I, I guess like, do we really see him challenging Landon Xanders at all for the starting position? Or do you think it's pretty much Xanders is going to take that next leap if he can get healthy and kind of lock down that strong safety spot this year? Uh, yeah. Uh, about Xanders, I'm really hoping someone pushes him. I don't want to say I hope he gets beaten out because that doesn't seem fair. You know, apparently he was playing injured last year. He had surgery in January. I do not know the details of that surgery, but, you know, when it comes out that, you know, off-season surgery happens, you know, the month the season ends, it kind of says, oh, okay, well, we might be harsh if we rush to judgment uh, regarding his performance. Um, I will say I just hope there's competition because I, I don't want to say that, you know, I hope he, he gets beaten out or I don't think he's the, the right guy there, but the 2020 version of Xander's frankly was just not enough. That was pretty obvious in the Ohio state game. If not the Notre Dame game, the first Notre Dame game, or even a handful of games before that um, regarding the spring game. Yeah. It's very unfortunate that, well, you know, Turner, we know we haven't, we know we haven't Turner, but with Xander's, you know, I wanted to see if, you know, he had taken the spring to develop, but he was out the whole spring um the probably most acclaimed safety recruit we've had since Jaron curse uh in andrew makuba broke his something in his arm the week of the spring game and didn't play so he was the player i was most excited to see uh leading into the week of the spring game didn't get to see him so that really kind of left a, a bit to be desired as far as the spring game is concerned uh, you know, the good news is that I was at the spring game. Um, first one I'd been to since Trevor Lawrence's freshman spring game. Went to uh, actually won a national title that year. So um, if we're going off correlations, you know, yeah, correlation. Exactly. Yeah. Last spring game I went to Clemson won a national title. So uh, you're welcome if we win it all this year. Um, bad news is that I learned probably less from this spring game than any spring game in living memory. Um, not to say that everything was so vanilla that there was nothing to glean because in spring games, it's always kind of vanilla. And the only thing you can really glean are, you know, the individuals in their, in their individual matchups against, you know, their opposite numbers. Um, you know, offense is just running inside zone counter out routes and deep shots whenever they're there off play action. Defense is running mostly five man rushes off of man cover one or cover three. And of course, you know, your cover two and cover four as well. So the defense was vanilla in the sense that there were no exotic blitzes, but it wasn't just man cover two the whole time. Um, there was still, you know, a healthy rotation of different coverages, to give the quarterbacks different looks, uh, get the corners and safeties running different reps and different coverages. But based on what I wanted to see, 
I learned less from this spring game than I thought humanly possible, frankly. Um, there were, what, four healthy cornerbacks. There was just Nate Wiggins, Fred Davis, uh, Sheridan Jones, Andrew Booth. Uh, Andrew Booth showed that he is that alpha boundary corner, uh, assuming he's healthy. Um, you know, I really wanted to see more of him last year. It turns out that apparently he wasn't, you know, completely healthy the whole year either because um, he seemed like the penciled-in, no-doubt, boundary corner starter with, with Kendrick playing mostly in the field. Um, and that should be the case this year. You know, like we're seeing him on some of these, uh, you know, a year in advance draft, mock drafts for 2022. He's right now looking like a mid to late first rounder. Uh, he has to stay on the field more for that to come to fruition. But he is the only guy in the secondary who I am like, yep, no doubt. I want him in the field, want him on the field at all times. Uh, you know, you could say the kid, you could say Nolan Turner falls into that category as well. But, um, you know, the fact that he's on the field at all is more of an indictment on the safety recruiting over the last half decade than it is, uh, you know, a, a testament to how good he is. Like, yeah, he's, he's good and that he won't make mistakes, but, you know, you don't really want a walk-on, preferred walk-on, I should say, um, safety to become a three-year, if not four-year starter. So really hope to see more um, out of the defensive backfield, but injuries uh, really prevented that from happening at safety in regards to Makuba and Xanders. Turner, we all know they held because he's a sixth year. He doesn't need to go through the spring. Um, Phillips and Charleston, again, returns are, are too, it's, it's too soon to really Before we get uh, away their from progression. Uh, the safeties, um, I just want to point out, if Joseph Charleston turns out to be really good, can we make his nickname John Violin? Absolutely. Okay, good. All right, you, you can continue. Just for you. Yeah, you know, Charleston is, aside from Makuba, uh, Charleston is the only blue chip safety on the roster. And, you know, Charleston is going into his third year, hasn't really shown that blue chip status as of yet. He'll um, get there. He, yeah, this is the year, you know, the third year is usually John's Island. It's, it's, it's going to emerge. Up. That, it, yep. That's, that's when it's time to show it. Um, and you know, if, if he challenges, if not Turner, I, th I think if I'm not mistaken, Charleston plays boundary safety like Turner does. I don't think he's going to necessarily supplant Turner who's in his sixth year, unless he just provides so much more upside, particularly in the alley or against the run that they need to get him on the field. But, you know, then again, he was the third safety when Clemson ran dime last year already. So he was kind of a quasi starter. He didn't, you know, do anything to make himself seem like a liability, but he didn't really wow anyone either. Um, but between, between Xanders, Turner, Charleston and Makuba, who everyone is just raving about, those are going to be your top four, your top four safeties. I think the more Makuba we see on the field, the better that elevates the ceiling of this defense and thus the entire team, because What's the biggest weakness over the last, okay, not 2019, but over the last oh, 2020 and expected weakness in 2021, it's probably safety. So the more Makuba we see, the more likely it is that um, he's on the field because he's earned the reps and that elevates the entire ceiling and, and you know, the postseason chances for, for this roster, for this team. Yeah, and Alex, I, you know, to kind of drill in on the safety point. This is something we talked about in the last show we recorded on the podcast, which was the Sugar Bowl recap. Um, I didn't realize this. 2017 and 2018, Clemson did not bring in a safety in those recruiting classes. And I think why that's, you why you, that's why Don't you got started. Turner. 
Yeah. It, I mean, uh, just to point out on rlabs.com, which is where I'm looking at the uh, Clemson depth chart, Tyler Venables is listed as the third uh, um, safety behind Joseph Charleston and Nolan Turner. You know, yeah. I thought I was going to make it through this podcast without having an aneurysm, but John, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to mute myself while I go scream. Hang on. I'll be back. He is actually the backup Sam. Like, looking at the spring game, Trenton Simpson was phenomenal. He was probably the, the brightest spot of the spring game as far as defense goes. It, well, in terms of improvement, like, you know, Andrew Booth had that amazing interception, but that's kind of standard for him. Um, but as far as improvement from what I saw in the fall versus the spring, Trenton Simpson at Sam really showed why Mike Jones kind of might have transferred. Like, you know, he says it's because, he, it's, be, it's because he wanted to play inside, but <laughs> I mean, Clemson already had two entrenched guys inside and Trenton Simpson basically stole his job at Sam after Jones had that hamstring injury. Trenton Simpson was great in the spring game. On the other side, I think it was Trim, uh, Simpson was on the orange team and Tyler Venables was the starter at Sam on the white team, meaning he is literally the second string Sam. All I can say is Barrett Carter, please get on campus ASAP, healthy. For some, yeah, for some reason I thought Malcolm Green was going to be the backup Sam. but He is the nickel. Well, Sam, you know, there's a, yeah. there's a Sam the slash nickel. There right. is a Sam slash nickel. Uh, it really is two different positions. Uh, Trenton Simpson is your starting Sam. Uh, Malcolm Green is your third corner when Clemson actually goes true nickel. Right. And Malcolm Green's oh. actually great. I'm, I'm excited for him. You know, I, I, I'm reaching the point where I would really rather us play a 3-3-5, but then again, our, our defensive tackles should be so good that I really want – Maybe I want a 4-4, actually, where we only have one safety on the field, and it's Andrew Makuba. Put Green at nickel, put green at nickel just let, let uh, Makuba play free safety. Only one safety, just him. 4-4, uh, basically, where, uh, you know, you've got Simpson on the field, Green on the field, and, and uh, Makuba playing one safety. Maybe that's, maybe that's the best 11 on the field right there because you've got Brissy and Davis on the field. You've got Green on the field, Simpson on the field, and only one safety because that's our weakest link. Maybe that maybe that's the winning formula right there. That's basically what Ohio State has done in, in defense for the last what three or four years. So playing center field a... for Clemson, Tyler. Vendors. Exactly. Exactly. No. 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 <laughs> Makuba. 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 Hey, that's Ohio State's defense under Halfway at least. They basically ran a cover three or man cover one the whole time, where there's a middle safety, and that strong safety was basically a linebacker. You know, Green could be yeah. that line that nickel linebacker type. Simpson's still on the field at Sam. It's it's doable. It seems counterintuitive in the era of the spread, but I think that's the best 11 for this year. Just one safety, a Sam and a nickel in the field at the same time. That a might little be reminiscent of the Seahawks with Earl Thomas uh, back in the day also. John, you're a Seahawks guy now. You live in Seattle. <laughs> Tell us. Is, that, is yeah, that the case? Yeah. Oh, John, I'm sorry. I forgot. You're an Arkansas fan now, right? No, oh, right. My bad. Seahawks <laughs> fan. Seahawks. I see hogs. Oh, I cheer for them. You scoundrel. Feral hogs. <laughs> many feral hogs. How, how many? How many of them? Um, roughly fifty. Alex, I know you just rewatched the spring game. Did you have any other takeaways, maybe from the offensive side? 
Well, when you say rewatched, um, I have a confession. That was actually the first watch because when I was there in person, I was there Were you not buddy. paying attention? I was not paying attention, no. I was there with my buddy Bill Mooneyhan. That's Bill Mooneyhan from Twitter. He's very famous on Twitter. Uh, he, he owns uh, Mooneyhan's Auto Service in West Columbia, South Carolina. Future yes, sponsor of the podcast. Yes, yes. Mooneyhan's Auto Service in West Columbia, South Carolina. It's the only good part of Columbia. You, you guys got to hit up Bill on Twitter. He's great. Um, go I was there after you go to MH Frank. Uh, it's like a two-hour drive, but sure. No, um, it's well, fine. You know One, two. It, it, it's two hours if you have a functional vehicle, and that's what you need Mooneyhan's Auto Service <laughs> for. So, um, yeah, we, ha- we had a few parking lot beers before the game. Didn't pay that much attention to the game live, and I said, you know what? I'll go back and watch it after the fact. I uh, did that today, and yeah, that's really uh, my my deep dart secret. Sorry, I, I didn't get around to watching. So how was the off, game. how was offense on your rewatch? The offensive line was better. Um, they really kind of played it more conservatively than the defense did. I think I alluded to this earlier. The uh, defense did at least rotate coverages: man cover one, five man rushes, cover three, cover four, cover two. Um, Offense really kept it simple. It was mostly inside zone, a bit of counter, not much power, um, really not much zone read either because it's not really a threat. Um, the offense really was kind of at a disadvantage with the whole quarterback being blown down by whenever Dabo said, hey, that's a sack. There were a handful of times where there were changes of possessions or you know third downs not converted simply because Dabo blew a whistle when there was – you know, a scramble and a completed pass or a scramble and a first down conversion, that which Dabo blew dead. And there were, you know, then punts where there shouldn't have been punts. So it wasn't as bad as it seemed, but it was way more toned down than the, than the defense was. Um, so I don't want to say that there's cause for alarm because it was only a 14 to 13 spring game, but yeah. I really think it kind of, shown a light on the fact that Trevor Lawrence really, 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 really kept the wheels from falling off in 2021. He really did. Um, 2020. 2020, yes, sorry. He really kept the wheels from falling off. Like, when you consider that, you know, Travis had his lowest yards per carry by, like, a yard and a half, and there were no – really no – like, the presumed starters at wide receiver in the preseason – like Amari Rogers was going above and beyond, of course, from the slot, but your leading receiver should not be your slot receiver. Sorry, it shouldn't be. The fact that he had such a good year, um, Rogers, I mean, had such a good year with a revolving door at outside receiver. Um, and How Travis much does being, Justin Ross win in that thing? It, that, that's a major thing. You know, Ross would have been the guy in the yeah. boundary and would have. Yeah, exactly. Cut. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, he, he, yeah, Trevor was keeping the, the wheels together, but there weren't like, some reasons why like oh, there the offense were. was falling apart a little bit yeah yeah it was offensive line was was just not good and receivers were all injured but you know you look back and Trevor kept it all together the fact that he was that the offense was as good as it was was almost entirely because of Trevor keeping it together keeping the wheels from falling off I'm kind of worried um about the offense this year, just because not that DJ doesn't have an equal ceiling because he does, but I think the floor is quite a bit lower, even with a better offensive line and healthy receivers. 
because Trevor kept so much from just going off the rails. And, you know, DJ in a year from now, when he's going into his third season, may be comparable. But I think going into his first year as, as the starting quarterback, it, it's not fair or realistic to expect him to be anywhere near that level. Um, and hopefully, you know, the healthy receivers and better O-line will kind of make up for that. And we should have a, a pretty consistent offense. I do think it should be more explosive, considering the weapons outside will be much better than what, what we had in 2020. But I, I think we're going to see a drop off in efficiency, which sounds backward considering we should have an improved offensive line. But I, I just I I'm really don't think we're going to beat Georgia in week one. I think they're better than we are at every position except maybe the secondary. Um, they, they have had a lot of turnover themselves as well. Um, they have. Clearly, they, the cupboards are very stocked in Athens, but – that's the only thing giving me hope is that they've got a lot of turnover in starting positions and we do play them week one. Yeah. If, if you know, if my only concern for the year really um, as far as the regular season is concerned is concerned is uh, dang, we might lose our opener against the top three team. Yeah. Top three, um, that, team. I mean, yeah. yeah. Top three or top four team. If that's my only concern, as far as the regular season is concerned, it's, it's, you know, a first world problem. Yeah. Um, but I, right now, I would take Georgia, guys. I'm sorry. I really would. Uh, real quick, can I call my shot that will probably bite me in the ass in a few years? Um, I think DJ is going to be a better NFL quarterback than Trevor. Hmm. Oh. He's, got, he's got some growing up to do. I don't mean that. NFL quarterback is a very specific wording. I'm, I, yeah. Professionally, he will be better, I think. He, he could be more like a Mahomes guy who's got such a big arm that he can just do whatever he wants. I mean, Trevor has yeah, that. Yeah, I'm same thinking kind of arm Trevor too, kind of goes into that little older mold. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's more your, I mean, I think he has an insane arm too, but DJ is yeah. just a diff, no, a different. No, DJ's like, yeah, Howitzer Cannon versus yeah, it, a pretty good arm. Like, no, no, knocking against Trevor. Sniper all, rifle. Like, he's not, he's, he's never had that, like, oh, he's got a cannon. No, he, he does. I, I think part of the reason we think his arm isn't that strong is maybe his windup. It's a little more three quarters, whereas DJ is just like a, a complete windmill. And, you know, those windmill yeah. releases, the windmill release, go, or trebuchet is probably a more accurate description. A trebuchet was, is going to go like 80 yards easily, whereas Trevor's a little more like three quarters and it's going to whip out real fast. But Yeah, no, um, I guess it does seem a lot more can-like from DJ just because of the way it kind of arcs. Yeah, he, he has a, a big it, – it's honestly a, a bit elongated uh, wind-up and release. I think when you start seeing, like, mock drafts of him, you're going to see They're things gonna say, talk oh, about it. he can throw so far, but his wind-up takes an entire half a second. Oh, that's way too long. Tim Tebow? Question mark? Oh, oh God, no. Tebow's the worst quarterback <laughs> prospect in the first round in the last 20 years. Yeah, Don't no. Don't how no. bad Tebow is. Don't don't disrespect EJ Manuel like that. No, EJ Manuel could at least process defenses. Yeah, EJ Manuel could 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 read a book and he could throw a football. Tebow can't do either of those things. I don't know. I watched EJ Manuel, Bills quarterback, for multiple years. Have you watched Tim Tebow try to read? I I watched him win an NFL playoff game. That's all I need. Steeler fans caught a stray. <laughs> in, in shambles. Wait, 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 Nick, you're not a Steelers fan. You're from Ohio. You've got to be no, a Browns a, fan. I am a Browns fan, yeah. 
Okay. Okay. That's fine. I, I didn't know if you were still a Browns fan. Cause like, you know, where you're from or your adopted 49ers perhaps. Nope. Still, still the Browns. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Lots of no, show when he it. moved to San Francisco, he adopted Cal. He's a big Cal guy. Yeah. Oh. It is the, it is the best Go Bears. college town in uh, California, <laughs> according to a recent Twitter map that I saw. What, what oh, Berkeley, God. Berkeley is? Did we not show this to Alex? I don't think we did. Pod, podcasts are a visual medium. Um, yeah. So, Alex, we'll wait, send wait, you this Wait, hold on, hold on. What's the, what's the best uh, college town in South Carolina, Alex? Real quick. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> Guys, yeah. I'm, I'm from Columbia, and I went to according Columbia. To, course, according to okay. Big Game Boomer, it is Columbia. What? <laughs> Boomer. The hallowed, the hallowed college town of Five Points, okay. South Carolina. Boomer just gave himself away right there. He's a boomer. He doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. I'm, yeah. I'm literally from Columbia. Like Columbia's gotten so much better since I graduated from high school and escaped. It is a much better city than it was when I was there. My my it, personal favorite is uh, Washington. Getting Washington, this college town of four and a half million people. Okay, well, well, time out. It, you're, you're comparing Seattle to what? Where's Washington State? Pullman? Where is Gonzaga? So, like, yeah. Gonzaga's uh, Pullman, in... Uh, which is Spokane. Spokane, yeah. Yeah, no, th- those places just like... I've, I've flown over At them. At least fit the definition of college towns. Like, yeah, I okay, forget well, that UW is... I, I live I'm like two miles from UW, and I forget it's here. Okay, doesn't it have a really nice campus? Doesn't it have like... Yeah, it's pretty pretty, but it's not yeah. like a college town. Maybe that little bubble of like around UW is like the college town, but see I Columbia. But, no, no, no. Okay, well, Alex, yeah, you, Columbia, Columbia is bogus. Cal is also a bogus assertion. Yeah, like but Berkeley, <laughs> Columbia doesn't have that bubble. U of SC is literally like spread out around that city so much that there is no bubble. There is no like very controversial. I like that you said U of SC and not any yeah. of the other possible names. Well, listen, I, I, I can't I can't offend anyone if I'm calling them by their actual name. If 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 like they're like no registered trademark twenty twenty. Yeah, if, if if their fans say no, we're the real USC. It's like well, actually, according to your actual university, you are U of SC. So if I call them that, they can't get mad because that's what the university university college football calls is the the so, fandom where articles matter the most because Ohio State oh, also absolutely. has this um, issue. I, I don't recognize Ohio State. I, I don't. Well, I, well, I don't. I don't understand why articles are just so important with all these people. Yeah. Um. As far as I'm concerned, the Clemson University. As, as far as I'm concerned, uh, University of Ohio is like the Taiwan, and Ohio State is the China. <laughs> China PR. I'm still recognizing the Taiwan. I don't recognize Ohio State. That explains Sorry. why the University of Ohio um, claims the entire country of Mongolia as part of their territory. Um, but Columbia, there, there is no bubble, so to speak, where there is like a pocket of campus. The campus is spread out all over downtown. And yeah, downtown's a lot better than it was now, or a lot better now than it was when I was there. But to call Columbia a college town is ridiculous. Clemson is tiny, but it's like Clemson. state capital, a college town. Yeah, like, like Clemson's tiny, but you can't mis- you, you can't mistake uh, Clemson for anything other than a college town. I mean, the town is nothing but the university and downtown, which is the college town part, and then random neighborhoods, which are kind of like and then the Chick Fil A on one twenty three. 
no, we don't talk about 123. No, we don't acknowledge that. Tiger Boulevard. T- <laughs> the Tiger line, Boulevard the line into that Chick-fil-A is like as large as Clemson. It infuriates yeah, me. It, in I fact, haven't lived I think, in Clemson for like five months and I'm still like visibly angry over this line that comes out of the Chick-fil-A on, yeah, on you know, 123. No, you know what, John, I'm, I'm going to drive, really. drive over there this weekend and, and send you pictures of that line. Just to <laughs> it's going to be the first road, though, that gets a turn lane just for fast. Like, not like a turn lane in the media. <laughs> the Chick-fil-A like, lane? Yeah, oh, like my Chick-fil-A God. lane where the bike lane should go. <laughs> oh my God! There's there's nothing more like Clemson, South Carolina than a heaven, lane dedicated yeah. to our Chick Fil A. Well, heaven forbid the Chick Fil A behind the Chick Fil A guys. The Chick Fil A. <laughs> oh, you're right. You need to make it behind these establishments, like another entrance. That could be the Chick Fil A. <laughs> Just put it on the train tracks. Yeah, there's got to be enough space. It'll be fine. All right, I think that's I think that covers it, guys uh we're establishing <laughs> and we've recapped the draft <laughs> we've established new boundaries in our fair college town uh, which is definitely the best one in the state um thanks for joining us tonight guys appreciate you coming on we'll get you back in the summer uh, when some of the depth chart battles have played out a little bit we'll scout the georgia team see if alex's prediction is still what he thinks a couple months on um don't Where, worry, I'll come around. I will come around to optimism. I always drink do, the Kool Aid. Right mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all over that Kool Aid. I'm I'm a Clemson. Yeah, no, Kirby's so. really got them boys going this year, right, Alex? <laughs> yeah. What year is it? You just love them Georgia Bulldogs. Is, is it 1980? Is that it? Kirby will get a bowl cut. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's the best bowl so, cut. You can get it sports clips, and we keep. You know. You know I, I, soon enough, I'll reach the age where I won't begrudge, begrudge a man whatever hairstyle he has as long as he has hair. So I'm not there yet, though, guys. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not 30 yet, so don't worry. I'm not there I'm yet. I'm going to die with a full head of hair. All right. Uh, you guys have any any articles coming up on STS people should keep an eye out for? Potentially. That's the show. That's the show, guys. Sorry. That's no, it. That's I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have anything to promote. I, I barely write for the site. I just do the tweets. He's Follow Shaking the Southland at ST Southland. Yeah, John, are you gonna are you gonna plug the Instagram which we made and we totally neglected? Alex Crafts uh, presents STS Instagram. Yes. No, I, I, I well, I won't know. Give that, for that give that to someone on the give that to someone on the Slack. I'm sure they'll yeah. be one, someone. <laughs> yeah. That. Okay. So, yeah. Some, some, Someone who has the bandwidth to cover the Instagram can do that. Listeners, we, we jump- if you if you donate Matt a hundred dollars for his four year quest, you can run our Instagram. Um, and I'm just FOIA, fully to- Illinois. Our athletics. That's it. That's gonna do it. That that's it. He's done. He's done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my thing is just trying to figure out which team is like the Knicks. Like the fan base that is downtrodden hasn't honestly historically won all that much. But Hold we'll on, let's see if he picks what we all picked just immediately. Nope. Nebraska. Anything. Nebraska. Uh, I mean, somebody did say Nebraska. Okay, well, okay. Yeah, Nebraska was my first one. Oh, so yeah, everyone else said Notre Dame, right? No, really no, but that's ah, a really good wow. pick. But, I mean, that's a decent one. Notre Dame like does stuff sometimes. Hmm. Oh, Texas. 
Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>